Chapter Eighteen of the Hawk of Egypt by Joan Conquest. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Chapter Eighteen: A Handful of Meal in a Barrel and a Little Oil in a Cruise. First Kings. Whilst Damaris was trying to soothe her wounded pride at Karnak, Ben Kelham was suffering the tortures of the nethermost pit down Aswan Way. His heart was not in Lyon at all; it was literally at Damaris's feet. He had not rushed away in pique after her refusal of him on the night of the fancy dress ball, nor with any vague idea of causing her to regret her decision in realizing the vacuum in her existence which his absence might make. He had not an ounce of subtlety or vanity in his nature. He had gone because he thought it would be the decent thing to do as far as she was concerned, and also to hide his hurt and disappointment, which were deep. The rumor of Lyon was genuine, and the excitement, extending far down the Nile, intense. In fact, with the aid of the Oriental's prodigal imagination, the royal beast of feminine persuasion, which was reported as having been seen prowling around Deir el Bahari, had been multiplied to two pairs ravaging the outskirts of Aswan. He sat drinking coffee with jolly Sybil Sidmouth and her nerve-stricken stepmother in the lounge of the Savoy Hotel in Aswan. Just at the moment when Damaris sat herself down on the broken column in Hypostyle Hall, jolly bad luck we've had, haven't we? Said Sybil. Kellum nodded his head. The last post had come in with nothing for him but a few letters from home. Yes, rotten. He replied after a moment. She might have sent me a line. Sybil's stepmother moved restlessly in her chair. Ridden with nerves, she was also mother of twin daughters, neurotic and plain. Who, seared by nature and yellowed by time, and on the wrong side of the matrimonial hedge, had been only too glad to foist her on to the plump shoulders of jolly, capable, pretty Sybil, and to get rid of them both for the winter. In the last week or so, a sprouting of hope had pierced the matchmaking soul in the querulous lady's really well-intentioned heart, for, like the proverbial half-loaf, a stepson-in-law is distinctly better than none at all. But Sybil only smiled at the absent-mindedness of the young man's remark. For weeks she had been the recipient of his confidences. He had dragged her, suffocating, down into the mud depths of the diffidence in which he wallowed, had tugged her, gasping, to the Olympian heights from which he viewed a world of love, all rosy red, had flung her, well-nigh senseless from exhaustion, upon the saw-teethed rocks of despair, and had taken her paddling in the wash of his vaporings. She was absolutely heart whole, with a firm belief in the lion rumor, and later, long after the end of this story, became the jolly, popular wife of the great eye specialist to whom she had rushed, when, after a soul-shaking scene with her stepsisters, she had missed the target entirely at Beasley. As it happened, the Duchess had written, but in a moment of most unusual apparition, had put Khartoum on the envelope instead of Aswan. So that it was months, long after the end of this story, that the letter reached him. Strange it is how the lives of men are wrecked or made through the most trivial happenings. In the grain of dust in the eye, the mud bank in the river, the hen in the road, just think of the outcome of such insignificant incidents. The last letter he had received had been written in Heliopolis on the eve of her grace's sudden decision. The one that had gone astray had been mailed in Luxor, and had contained the request that, when he had shot the lion, he would take the carcass or the skin as a present to Damaris at the Winter Palace Hotel, and wait there until her return from the oasis of Kargag. There was no doubt about the fact that he was genuinely in love. Lion or no lion in the vicinity, 
he would sit dreaming for hours amongst the rock tombs at full noon or fall of evening, or by the light of the sickle moon, a perfectly absurd proceeding where big game is concerned. Food or sleep meant nothing to him, so that his usual good temper was sharpened, and his undoubted good looks enhanced by a certain romantic gauntness under the cheekbone. People seemed as ghosts to him, so absorbed was he in his love and his pain, so that his act of rising, when Mrs. Sidmouth took what she thought to be a diplomatic departure, was purely mechanical. Then Sybil laughed, a jolly, ringing laugh, and laid her hand upon his arm. "'Why don't you run up to Heliopolis?' "'By Jove, Sybil, that's an idea. You come along, too. Damaris would love to meet you. You're just her sort. Besides, there's nothing doing in lying here. It's only a yarn. Let's pack to-night and get off to-morrow. I'll go and see if we can get a private steamer. Can't stick a public one, stopping every other minute to look at tombs.' Sybil laughed. "'We'll go, Ben. It will be ripping.' "'But to-morrow? How exactly like a man!' Ben was contrite. He thought Sybil travelled with a kit-bag and her guns. He had forgotten Mamma. Mamma protested. She was an invalid, with all an invalid's paraphernalia. They started after the passing of a week, in which Mrs. Sidmouth had a series of nerve-storms, and in which Sybil, to pass the time, wrote a four-page letter to Ellen Thistleton, which she duly received at breakfast. They certainly did not stop en route to look at temples or tombs, but they made quite a long halt on the sandbank just above Luxor, onto which boats of all sizes and shapes so often run. The loss of time is irritating enough, goodness knows, in ordinary travelling, and occurs quite frequently, but when one is love-driven and this maddening delay happens, then you have to make as big an exercise of self-control as when you rush onto the platform only to see the guard's van of your train disappearing into the tunnel. And surely the gods laughed long and loud when Damaris chose that very day to return by public steamer from Dendera, where she had been to visit the temple of Hathor, the Egyptian Aphrodite. End of chapter 18 Read by Sibella Denton For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.